1: Good
0: morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. California's Supreme Court Chief Justice is praising a new policy issued this week by the Department of Homeland Security, one that will limit how federal officials operate in or near courthouses. KQED's Michelle Wiley reports.
1: The new guidance says officials, like Immigration and Customs Enforcement, can only enforce civil immigration laws at or near courthouses under certain conditions, like a national security threat or a danger to public safety. This supersedes a previous policy which allowed ICE to arrest people who were at court for reasons unrelated to their immigration status. One of the loudest critics of that policy was California Supreme Court Chief Justice Tani Contil-Saka'ue, who said in a statement that the new policy, quote, respects the dignity of our residents who rely on our state court justice systems. For the California Report, I'm Michelle Wiley.
0: Since the 1980s, California cities have used gang injunctions as a way to fight street violence. The injunctions ban suspected gang members from specific activities like socializing together and even wearing clothing and colors associated with gangs. Now in San Diego County, District Attorney Summer Stefan says she's filed court petitions to lift 20 different gang injunctions in cities across the county. That could affect hundreds of people listed on the injunction injunctions. Dismantling them would be a win for advocates of criminal justice reform. They argue injunctions too often mark people permanently as gang members and make it harder for them to move on with their lives and put their gang days behind them. The DA says her decision is supported by police chiefs in San Diego County. Turning to Los Angeles, where the LAPD says it needs nearly $70 million to address problems that contributed to its mishandling of last year's protests, KPCC's Robert Garova has more.
3: The request is a response to a trio of reports outlining the LAPD's botched response to last summer's demonstrations. Chief Michael Moore calls the ask preliminary. The bulk of the money, more than $50 million, would go towards training, after all three reports stressed that as a department deficiency. That includes some 15 million for training on less lethal munitions such as hard foam projectiles. Last week the LAPD suspended its use of one type of projectile after a federal judge imposed a series of restrictions on their use. The judge ruled in response to a request from groups that have filed a class action lawsuit against the department. Reform groups have criticized the LAPD's funding request, arguing the police should not receive more money. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles.
0: Let's turn to education
3: and some guests kindergarten
0: students at one Los Angeles Unified School got yesterday.
1: Okay, so we'll stop right
3: there, boys and girls. I want to introduce to you our very special visitors. Let's begin with our superintendent, Austin Butner. Can we say hi, Miss (laughs) Buechner?
0: Butner was at the school with the state's top education official, Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tony Thurmond. Both wanted to showcase how California public schools are steadily reopening as COVID numbers improve and how the state is ready to provide whatever help is necessary to continue the momentum and calm parents' fears. Here's Superintendent Thurmond. Our message for all schools is the same. The CDC has shown us a pathway on how it's safe for in person instruction. That's our message. And at this point, 9,000 out of our 10,000 schools are either open for in person instruction or moving to being open for in person instruction. But everything that the CDC has shown us has translated into resources that the state has provided. Six and a half billion dollars to help get the schools reopened. We have money for ventilation so that you have outside air to support what our schools are going to be doing. Um, our office has secured five million rapid COVID tests. All of these things give our schools a pathway to get physically reopened. That's a game changer. When I asked if he thought LA Unified schools would be completely back to normal by the fall, Superintendent Butner
3: said yes. The mitigation measures are in place. Our schools are the safest in the nation. As families see that it is safe, as they see their children will thrive in schools, more and more will come back. And by fall, we'll be at that full in-person threshold. Now, the path to get there is to make sure we continue to provide support for the community. We have 25 school-based vaccination centers that are open, serving families who, have, who say, vaccinate me, my child will come back to school. So we need to make sure we're doing this safely in the right way but full in-person come the fall for sure.
0: Again, that's LA Unified School District Superintendent Austin Butner. By the way, the principal of the school that Butner and Thurman visited, Sylvan Park Elementary in Van Nuys, told us out of 778 enrolled students, about 250 pupils have returned so far for in-person classroom instruction. The principal hopes to see half of her students back by the end of this school year. And let's stay on education. Despite heated debates over school reopenings across the state, a majority of Californians approve of how their elected officials have handled classroom closures, according to a new survey from the Public Policy Institute of California. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarotti has more.
3: More than 8 in 10 Californians acknowledge that kids have fallen behind academically during the pandemic. Still, a majority approve of how Governor Gavin Newsom and local district officials have navigated school openings. But as Newsom and state lawmakers negotiate over the future of hybrid learning, two-thirds of public school parents say they're concerned classrooms won't be open full-time in the fall. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati.
0: The city of Long Beach is preparing for when children get the okay to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia says the school is partnering with the Long Beach Unified School District to place mobile vaccination clinics on campuses in the coming weeks. We know that at some point in the months ahead, um, as clinical trials um, wind down, that population, um, whether it's 12 and above, like has been discussed, Other ages for certain kids will be opened up in the future, so we want to make sure that we're prepared for parents that want to have their kids
3: vaccinated, that they have that option within their schools.
0: Mayor Garcia says the clinics will also allow parents who haven't been vaccinated to get their shots. And when it comes to vaccinations, health officials in the Bay Area are tracking cases of people who've contracted COVID-19 after they were fully vaccinated. KQED's Laura Clivens reports on what they know at this point.
1: The state health department says nearly 1,400 of these Californians have tested positive. That's 0.01% of fully vaccinated people in the state. Health officials say these cases are fully expected because the vaccines don't protect people 100%. While the State Department of Public Health is not sharing details on how mild or serious these cases were, some Bay Area counties are. Sonoma County has 58 cases, and said the majority resulted in mild to no symptoms, with no hospitalizations or deaths. Contra Costa County has 140 cases, and four people were hospitalized. For The California Report, I'm Laura Clivens.
0: Officials are investigating how schemes to rip off the state's unemployment insurance program, some of which was done by people in prison, may have cost California billions and billions of dollars. Lawmakers are trying to fix loopholes in the system, but some advocates for the incarcerated say those ideas could do more harm than good. With more, here's the California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin.
2: Around Thanksgiving last year, DAs from across the state came together to announce that over 30,000 fake unemployment claims had been filed in the names of people incarcerated in California. Both DAs and the state auditor have said that part of the reason it was so easy to dupe California's unemployment system is that, unlike at least 35 other states, we don't cross-match unemployment applications against our prison rolls. And that's what Bakersfield Senator Shannon Grove is hoping to change with SB 39. So SB 39 requires CDCR and EDD, the Employment Development Department, to cross-reference or cross-match Social security numbers for those that are incarcerated in the CDCR facilities. Katie Dixon is a community organizer with Legal Aid at Work and was formerly incarcerated. She's concerned about recent data that show holes in the state's arrest record keeping.
1: We just don't believe that CDCR is capable of disseminating accurate information to anyone, let alone someone outside of, you know, their already
2: complicated landscape. In 2019, for example, the California Department of Justice estimated that up to 60 percent of its arrest records were incomplete meaning EDD could be flagging people based on inaccurate information. Grove says she doesn't want to keep benefits from people who need them, but the state is already facing a fraud bill in the tens of billions. That number is going to be paid back by small businesses that have been shut down over the last year and haven't been able to have revenue. While up to 2 billion out of the potentially 30 billion in total fraud could be linked to incarcerated people, it's unclear how many were active participants in the scams versus those whose identities were used by scammers.
1: Folks feel like we're low-hanging fruit. It's easy to go after, you know, folks that has already been identified as what a criminal or something like that.
2: SB 39 made it through the Labor Committee earlier this week and is now heading to appropriations. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin.
0: If you're like me, you see that triangular chasing arrow symbol on plastic products and think to yourself, hey, I can recycle this. But that's often not the case. CAP Radio's Scott Rod reports on an effort in the state legislature to tighten how the recycling symbol is used.
3: At Ming's Recycling in Sacramento, a bulldozer scoops up aluminum cans and drops them on a conveyor belt. General Manager Jeff Donlevy says these cans will be crushed and recycled, but nearby are bales of plastic bottles from the curbside recycling system that are too dirty and contaminated. 20 to 40 percent of what ends up in somebody's curbside bin has a chance of being landfilled, and a lot of it has to do with mislabeling and contamination of material. The triangular chasing arrows is partly to blame, Most consumers don't realize the symbol often contains a number, one through seven, that allows recycling plants to identify its resin type. In reality, only numbers one, two, and sometimes five can be recycled through our existing system. When plastic products with other numbers are added to the mix, It's a burden for sorting facilities, and they may contaminate the products that actually can be recycled. Senator Ben Allen, a Democrat from Santa Monica, has introduced a bill to restrict when manufacturers can use the chasing arrow symbol. We're basically trying to create some truth in advertising here. People simply don't have the basic information they need to assist them in determining whether an item ought to be put into the blue bin or into the trash bin. He says some companies exploit the logo as a marketing ploy to sway environmentally conscious consumers. But manufacturers are pushing back. Matt Seeholm is vice president of government affairs at the Plastics Industry Association.
0: We're kind of struggling with these types of legislation that just simply says, you know what, we're giving up. We can't recycle it. Forget it. We're just done.
3: California used to export much of its recyclable materials. Then a few years ago, other countries stopped accepting shipments. So now we're stuck with them. Seaholm says the real solution is figuring out how to recycle more materials in the U.S. and in California, not just the products labeled 1, 2, and 5. It's really the infrastructure and the end markets that are lacking. The bill passed unopposed in the Senate's Environmental Quality and Judiciary Committees and now awaits a vote in the Appropriations Committee. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rodd in Sacramento.
0: And that is the California Report for Thursday, April 29th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for
3: listening and talk tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash adaptingcare. Water heaters only specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere.